0: This is the Equip podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. All right, welcome to all of you out there in the internet region. I know you're actually not in the internet because that's not actually a region. It's a joke, but uh, welcome to the podcast, the Equip podcast. My name is Mark Vance. I am joined here today by my great friend, Matt Lepine, who is also on staff with us, directs kind of theological development, pastoral theology, and just is an all-around awesome guy and a great dad. And I'm super glad he's with us today. So Matt, welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, Mark.
0: So here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about books. Now, if you are not a reader, please do not turn the podcast off and go, I'm listening to the podcast I don't like books. Just slow up. Um, here's the reason why we want to talk about books today. We are in the middle of this kind of ongoing coronavirus time. And really, it's not just a time of viral change where we're all thinking about public health. It's a time where all of us are kind of pulled back a little from normal rhythms of daily life and to be honest with you, uh, right now is a great opportunity for us to think about how is it we're going to come out of this more healthy on the other side. Really, the habits that we are cultivating in our lives contribute to us being healthier, or unhealthy as people, as family, as individuals, as a community. And so one of the things I know Matt and I, we've talked about, and a lot of us on staff are talking about is how out of this time do we come out more Christ-like? more formed by the word, more shaped by who, in other words, how do we come out of a really difficult and trying moment as healthier people? And I think one of those is cultivating the life of the mind. And honestly, I can't go and do a ton of things, but I can read right now. I can cultivate a new habit of reading. So Matt, you're a great reader. You've read a lot, but also you've taught me some of how, like, how can I be a good reader? Because reading can be a skill. But I want to start out with a question for you before we go any further, which is this. Why in the world would we focus on this habit of reading? Like, why does reading matter particularly?
1: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> reading is, is an absolute core um, part of being, I mean, thinking is an absolute core part of being a human. And um, reading is just thinking. It's receiving the thought of another person. Um, so I actually wrote down sort of, as you mentioned this to me earlier, six things that I, maybe I can just fly through them and then we can dig into um, yeah. them particularly. But that's the first one that reading is just thinking. So, um, you know, you need two things to act morally, to know what is good and the will to do it. And, um, uh, thinking is, is, uh, has a big part of how we get to know what the good is so we can will it. Um, the second is that reading is a good form of rest. It's not the only one, but it's a good form of rest. Third, reading teaches us what it's like to be someone else, um, so we can build empathy through reading. Uh, fourth, reading helps you see your own cultural logic. And so um, uh, there's, a, there's a great uh, commencement address by David Foster Wallace, where he tells the story of two fish who are swimming along and, um, you know, one of the, this older fish swims by them and says, uh, how's the water, boys? And at the end of it, the two fish turn to each other and one goes, what the heck is water? And um, it, it sort of captures exactly the fact that, you know, we don't always know the the reality that we're swimming in, the cultural reality that we're swimming in. So reading helps you to see your own cultural logic. Um, it also enriches our theology. So it can deepen our appreciation for some of the concepts that we find in the Bible. Uh, it gives us real tangible examples of them. And then also, um, just we're a people of the book. The Jews are often called this, but um, Christians, um, you know, we, we live by a book. We think that God governs the world, world with words. And so, if you're not gaining skill and paying attention to books and how they communicate and genres, um, you may struggle with no, knowing what to do with the Bible. So, those are my six.
0: Okay, I want to unpack a couple of those um, and get into them. And then I want to ask a question at the end of it. So let's unpack a couple here. Um, You talked about how reading teaches us what it's like to be someone else. Mm -hmm. So um, let's unpack that idea a little more. Because sometimes I think I go to read and my instinct is I'm really not trying to enter their world. I'm trying to make a better me. So I'm really selfish focused. But part of what you're saying is reading can encourage us to go the opposite direction. It can encourage us to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes almost. So how does that happen? Why is that important? Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, obviously the Bible says that knowledge puffs up. But um, there's certain forms of knowledge which are just essential to a, a, um, a moral life. And I think one of them is is uh, just paying attention to what it's like. Like, can I imaginatively enter in so that I can picture what it would be like to be another person? And I think both fiction and nonfiction can help us with this. But um, So just one nonfiction example. I remember early on in our marriage, um, I don't read books cover to cover very often, but I, I read one and it was a book on anxiety. Couldn't sleep at two in the morning. I read until four and was done with it. Um, but it, it really, really helped me to understand my wife so much better because it, it uh, gave me a, an insider picture on what anxiety was, uh, what it felt like, how to, how to fight it. And um, so, I mean, nonfiction can do it. But um, I also just love reading fiction for this, uh, for this purpose because there's so many – I mean, fiction gives you an opportunity really to experience um, the plot – uh, sort of through the eyes of the of the character and oftentimes you get internal dialogue or you get dialogue between characters and um, it, it, it allows you to sort of try on a way of experiencing situations um, that that you may not have experienced.
0: I'm interjecting uh, there because I just want to highlight Matt you're one of the, the guys who I know who's read the most kind of like non-fiction literature but hmm. it's really interesting because there was a I want to say probably multiple years in my life where I had come to the conclusion that reading fiction was what you did in high school for entertainment or something, but right. real men read nonfiction. But like, I need to read the real world. And right, right. I do think it's really important what you're saying that fiction is real. Yeah, like, yeah. like It's helping me enter into the way real people think about the real world. It's not unreal. And then history is real. It took yeah. me a long time before I picked up a fiction book again, and then I was amazed at how much oh wow, that's a great insight into human character there, yeah, yeah. so well and
1: that's just and that's great. what's so essential about a fiction writer is that the best fiction writers are just great observers of human nature, and they can teach us so much about what it means to be human, and they can even uncover things in us that we weren't aware of um I know that you and I have. Um, one fiction book that we both, that's both ranks really high on our, our list of favorites. And, and that is, um, uh, what is it? The Chosen, right? Oh By,
0: yeah. I'm Pudok. Uh, I that, yeah. um, that book.
1: That uh, book w- was really, really moving, deeply moving to me um, because it's a book about suffering and it's a book about, um, you know, just what it means to face, face the silence of our father in suffering. And, um, you know that that book was really challenging, but it sticks with me. It's it's something that I continue to to picture and visualize as I, as I live and I face times where it feels like God is silent to me. Um, so that's yeah, that's it's a great example of how getting inside someone else's experience, even if it's not the same experience as mine, um, can really teach me a lot. And another one that I really really appreciate there is C.S. Lewis's Till We Have Faces. Oh,
0: um, that's a great book too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, the, that, oh, there's so many good books out there. Okay, so I'm going to have a hard time. Just, I apologize in advance to everyone on the podcast. You're going to figure out, I really do enjoy books, and Matt's going to mention them, and I'm going to almost instinctively go, oh, that's such a great book. <laughs> so, uh, on the subject though of empathy, of learning to get in somebody else's shoes, give me a couple recommendations, Matt, like books that you've read recently or just ac- across the course of your life that you thought, this just really helped me to see the world the way somebody else saw it that was unnatural to me.
1: Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll give you five. Um, first, Gabor Mate. It's M-A-T-E, um, In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts. It's a book about addiction. Um, so Mate is a, a, a um, physician in Vancouver, um, works with addicted people and tells a bunch of stories that are just really powerful. Bruce Perry, the boy who was raised as a dog, um, talks about childhood experiences and how they affect, uh, affect you. Bessel van der Kolk's The Body Keeps the Score helps give some insight into what it's like to be just totally overwhelmed emotionally, uh, what trauma is like. Um, Brian Loritz, Insider, Outsider, just the sort of difference in experience that I have as a white person that a black person might have. And uh, Virginia Woolf's *A Room of One's Own*. So this was sort of a—it's a book that you might find assigned in a in a feminist course. Um, but really, really helpful and powerful for me to just understand, um, you know, what has changed in the last seventy years, and 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 what are the, sort of the positive ways that um, you know that uh, what it means to be a woman is different than it is now. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there's. Uh, to read a book doesn't mean that you adopt all, everything that the author sees or feels or any of that, but it does mean that it expands your horizon. It, it, it enables you to imagine what it's like to be someone else.
0: Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to an, one more of those six points you brought up about why to read, but I want to pause and ask a question um, that I think a lot of people pose to me, which is they go, okay, good for you, Mark. You like to read a lot. I don't like to read. I'm not a reader, you know, that's kind of the way the question is posed. Um, How do you respond to that question, Matt?
1: Well, I mean, I don't think that everybody needs to read a thousand books in their life, um, you know, to live faithfully before God. So that's that's really important. But um, one thing I will say is, uh, you know, if you don't like to read, um, it's still... Uh, A good idea to pursue wisdom. The Bible calls us to pursue wisdom uh, repeatedly, and uh, wisdom is essential for living, um, you know, a holy life before God. Uh, But the other thing is, even if it's not reading, um, just in general, um, curiosity. I mean, the the world is such a a beautiful place, and our boredom in the world, um, uh, 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 Robert Frar Capon says that uh, boredom is the fertilizing principle of unloveliness. So, um, you know, when it's not neutral in a world that's lovely, it requires a loving eye to sort of draw out its loveliness. And so um, I just think, you know, it is, I guess, okay if if you don't know, if you don't like to read, but um, you should practice paying attention, pay attention to others, pay attention to your world. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, what What largely distinguishes us from animals is that we have the capacity for thought we have the capacity f- to frame our future in in words, and so um, God is a speaking God, we are listening and speaking creatures, and so Um, I do think you need to take seriously, even if you don't like reading, that you have a responsibility to steward the words that God has given you and to order your life by them. And so at bare minimum, I think you have a responsibility to be a student of the Word of God. And uh, lots of other books will help you to do
0: that well. You know, one thought occurs to me, even while we're talking about books, is why talk about books and not blogs? You know, why talk about books and not Twitter? Because all of those are word sources. And I do think by disposition, I I want whoever's listening this to hear me and you say this, not all written content is of the same value. Um, And actually there's a reason why we said reading books. Like I read some blogs, but what I've found over time is um, one, just the effort level it takes to get a good book put out there through a publisher, through an editor. I mean, Matt, you're working on your dissertation becoming a book right now. It's Mm -hmm. just a ton of effort that goes into that. A ton of work, a ton of... And so that process actually does make a better product often than something I can type into a computer screen and hit the whiz-bang magic button and publish to the interworld in a second. You you know, there's something actually about the process that goes into making the thing that forced us to reflect on it and ask, is this even good? Like, is this worth devoting this huge span of my life to put out to the world? And so I want to honor the effort that the writer put into the book by actually saying, "Mm, a good book is probably worth more than a good blog post, actually.
1: Right, right. I, you know, I, I think uh, sometimes of this example, um, you know we live in an era of fake news so i mean the it's obviously a huge problem is how do you know whether what you're reading is accurate right but um it goes even beyond that because um you know I, if you ask me to write like a 100 word you know biography of or oh, excuse me 100 page biography of abraham lincoln um and you either gave me every book that's ever been written on Abraham Lincoln or just the 10 best. I'll take the 10 best. Uh, because the fact of the matter is it is a, it's a significant problem. I mean, it's, it's why you have entire disciplines academically. Uh, when my book, for instance, had to go through academic review. It had to go through someone who knew already what I was talking about that they would be able to say that I know what I'm talking about. And so... Um, you know, the rigors of getting something published and getting it through the review process, that really does matter.
0: Yeah. All right. So we've talked about books versus blogs and some of why we read and how it helps us get in. But I want to jump to some best practices. You're you're not just a person who's read a good bit. You can help us learn. There's a skill to reading. And Mm -hmm. so I want to talk fiction, nonfiction. And so just quickly give us some of the best practices for a nonfiction book. And then quickly, let's go into a fiction book.
1: Yeah, your first big problem is, is that, you know, in the modern world, our attention is so weak. I don't know about everyone listening to this, but I mean, I'm an academic. I read books for a living. But even I, when I sit down with a paper book, struggle, if my phone is near me, to pay attention to the book for five minutes continuously. And so one thing I do is I use a lap timer on my pages <laughs> i know it sounds strange but i literally start my timer and every page i flip i hit the lap timer to make sure that i'm i'm moving forward um
0: that is incredible Matt. that is so incredible thing th- that has lap been
1: timer. extremely useful because otherwise i get like 10 pages read in an hour and you know have checked facebook 14 times so um so admit, actually that could be your second tip just you know get rid of facebook log out um now the second tip then is uh, pay attention to the argument of the book, not just the, the trees. So, pay attention to the forest. Um, one way to do this would just take 90 seconds at the beginning of the chapter just to see if you can summarize what the chapter is about before you start reading it. So, I would do that even with each chapter, but I would also do it with the whole book. Um, make sure that you're asking the book questions. So, ask about whether it's true or how the author has supported his claims or um, how it relates to other books. Um, the questions that you bring... To the to the book will uh, determine the quality of attention you give it. Um, But then, you know, you don't have to read every book slow. You can skim some books, um, uh, read selectively. Um, If you don't, you don't need to feel like you owe the book you're reading a a a thorough reading. Not all books deserve it. And so, use the book. Uh, Don't um, you know? don't, Don't just read it so that you can put it on Goodreads that you read every page. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess that's fiction. Um
0: yeah, jump jump to fiction here. We got nonfiction, so that's nonfiction in the yeah. backdrop, yeah. But fiction particularly, I know you love fiction. You highlighted some of how it helps us, yeah. but there's a skill to reading that too. How do you approach that?
1: Yeah, so I mean, nonfiction is really about characters and plot. Or I'm sorry, fiction is really about characters and plot. It's it's tracking your characters through the plot. And so um, I have a few questions that I ask while I'm reading fiction books to my kids. I love reading fiction books to my kids. Um, It gives me the opportunity to engage with them, um, but also helps me to teach them to read well. So I'll stop and I'll say something like, what kind of person is this character? How how, How do we know what this person is like? So what I'm doing is I'm trying to read with an eye to how the author develops characters to show them how I do that. What did you notice? What did he do right there? Or what did she do right there? Um, so that's how you sort of build an awareness for character development. Um, second, I'll sometimes stop and I'll say, oh, so what do you think is going to happen? And then I'll be like, I'll, they'll project and, you know, sometimes they're wrong, sometimes they're right. But then I'm like, well, why do you think that? What, what did the author just say? And we're we're sort of cueing them for observing the clues as you go. Um, oftentimes, I don't even know what's going to happen in the book, and I still just say that because, you know, what if it's this? You know. Uh, third, then I'll say, how would you be feeling in this situation? So, this is a, a way of sort of engaging empathetically. So, they're not just paying attention to how the characters are developing, but how the characters are feeling in the situation and sort of paralleling that with their own lives. And then, fourth, I'll just sometimes say, does that sound strange to you? Why, why does that sound strange? And I'm really trying to engage in cultural differences. So, we're reading a book right now. Um, it's, uh, the green ember series. Um, Oh, and
0: we're reading that too. Are you? Okay. Yeah, it's really good.
1: Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, it's been, it's been fun to, to sort of, uh, yeah, you know, some of those, some of those sorts of books you see much more about courage than you do in, in some, I mean, I guess it is a modern modern book, but it's kind of got an old feel to it. And, and, um, you know, sometimes their impulses to sort of jump into the battle uh, to defend and to protect uh, are not impulses that maybe kids would normally have and maybe it sounds strange to them so
0: mm. so i want to ask you one final question then i want to sum this up are audiobooks cheating
1: no absolutely not no i'm a huge fan of audiobooks because audiobooks go slower than i actually read so I've got I've got way more time to sort of think and to process and to chew. Uh, now audiobooks can go bad if you you know if you're trying to do it while you're uh, I don't know doing something that involves your mind. I mean you can just lose track of the plot for a long yes, time. But yes. but so what I do is I you know do them while I'm uh, I listen to them while I'm washing the dishes or while I'm mowing the lawn. Um, I think audiobooks are fantastic and. There's a lot of books that I've read on audiobook like three or four Mm -hmm. times just because I want to see more the second time through.
0: See, I think that that's a good place for us even to kind of wrap up the conversation because what I want to do is I want to motivate people to take where they're at and read something. And so if you're not a big, I'm going to pick the book up, why don't you get a book on audiobook and listen to it and learn from it and, and do it with somebody else. Like Matt, right now we've got some book clubs that we're getting ready to kind of roll out at Cornerstone. It's not like a huge, like, Hey, everybody needs to be in a book club as much as just, we're in kind of encouraging people to read with friends. Like anything you'd highlight off of that quickly for us?
1: Yeah. So each year we, we put this out in the summer and you know, it's not, um, it's not like the 10 best books that have ever been written or even the 10 best books that have been written in the last year, but it is, it is uh, filtered for books that have been really helpful to some of the people around the church. And we've put it up online right now. It's on cornerstonelife.com slash equipping. You'll see a link for it. Um, but these are 10 books that I think would be really useful to read with others. Um, you know, there's, there's books about culture and technology. There's a book about parenting and uh, one about spiritual formation. And really, it's an opportunity. Um, these are really un- informal. We don't do any programming. We, we ask that you sign up just so that we know how many books are, how many clubs are running. And um, so that if someone can't find a club, that they can, we can just sort of connect people. But um, get together, uh, read it. You know, we've got sort of suggested format. Um, but ask the book questions. Ask if you agree. Ask if you, um, you know, if you disagree or how to, how to apply it. Um, so, yeah, you can check out the website and you can see the full list there.
0: That's excellent. Matt, I appreciate um, your faithfulness to read, but just to order your life around God's words and to teach me uh, what it looks like to faithfully and try to fruitfully do that. And for everybody out there, if you're not a regular reader, try an audiobook. Get on Audible. A lot of times they're giving away for free right now on Amazon. Try an audiobook out. Go on to the book club pull one of those 10 and with a couple friends, read a book this summer. But right now, remember, how we come out of this coronavirus time, healthy or unhealthy, that's not just a matter of our physical bodies, it's a matter of all of us. And so one thing you can do right now is you can take up a book and read it. You can enter into a new world. You can understand and empathize and see how other people see the world. And I think by doing that, we have a chance to come out healthier. So Matt, thanks for being a wise guide for helping us a little bit today. And to all of you who tuned in to the Equip podcast, thanks. Hope it equips you again to live a faithful and fruitful life, wherever God has called you.